You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Earth Station One. And we are here for another week, and we are continuing with our summer movie classic series. And this time out, we are looking at the Alfred Hitchcock classic, Strangers on a Train. This is always what your mom always used to tell you. You don't talk to strangers. This is the perfect example of it. And it's going back to early Alfred Hitchcock, and it was a lot of fun to watch a lot of could be a lot of fun to talk about and we've got a great crew to talk about this and you know i guess i should have taken alfred hitchcock's advice and my mom's advice that you don't talk to strangers because i talked to a stranger on a podcast and now he's my co-host let me welcome mr mike gordon to the show howdy how are you sir stranger and stranger oh dude it gets stranger every single day you doing okay Yes, yes, I am uh, doing all right. Uh, we're talking about Hitchcock tonight, so, uh, you know, that's always a good thing uh, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, you know, what what would have happened if our paths hadn't crisscrossed, you know? Exactly, you know. Well, you know, it was nice because, you know, we made these arrangements and, you know, now we're here and nobody's the wiser, which is even perfect. Yeah, we, uh, so we it's a good thing. We, yes, we made our, uh, our train was uh, Facebook, I think. Facebook, or you could even say Dragon Con. That's when we met face to face. It's true. So, yeah, sad enough, no Dragon Con. Uh, how's everybody doing at home? Otherwise, you guys doing okay? We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please write us at EarthStation1 at ESONetwork.com. It'd be great to hear from you guys and let us know how you're doing. And of course, we have to thank you guys for you know everything you guys do you guys listening, you guys telling people about us. We'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. But, you know, if you want to help a little bit more, we do have an ESO Network Patreon that we're part of. And you, that's how you can hear this show 48 hours before it goes out to the rest of the world. You get a little bit of an extra preview as being a, a member of the ESO Network Patreon. You get the show 48 hours before. You also get the Earth Station Who podcast 48 hours before, and the Dragon Con report, which is still going full force, even though Dragon Con is now a virtual con. So it's pretty darn awesome that you're getting all that. And you could get it for as little as 25 cents a week. That's right, folks. 25 cents. It's just amazing. You know, that's a dollar a month, folks. And, you know, we have different levels. You can go up from the dollar, but it's pretty darn awesome that you can help support ESO and that's what helps keep us going and everything. So it's a cool thing with that. Speaking of cool things, we got a new guy here to talk to us tonight. Let's welcome author Raymond Leonard. Hey, Ray. How's it going, Mike? Good. Howdy. Good to see you. Welcome to the station, sir. Howdy, Mike. You too. <laughs> uh, um, for those people who may not be familiar with your work, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, um, I'm from Chicago, Illinois, South All Side. Right. Um I I started I started comics uh very young when I was like sixteen. Uh I I got worked by getting trained by uh by two older guys that was older than me. Um uh, we're still best friends are now. They told me everything I needed to know about comics. 
on how to uh, do everything right and not wrong. Because when I when I was trying to get work, I was showing up with loose folio pages and stuff because I didn't know how to represent right. <laughs> and um, um, so when I improved, um, I started my started doing my own comics and stuff. And um, now I'm creating my own comic called Agent Solo. And it became like became very popular on the internet now, and so what I did decide to do was a uh, um, my first Kickstarter with him, which was a uh, was it was a one shot, and it was funded. So then I tried it again uh, with number one, and it's it got funded. So now I'm here again with issue number two. Nice. Still go. Nice. I want to get to Agent Solo in a minute, but uh, I mean, Chicago, that's a great area in general. Love Chicago. Um, and uh, a lot of a lot of great uh, comic creators are there. So it's a great environment, right, for comics. There's a lot of good uh, comic conventions there. I used to go to um, Chicago Comic Con a few times and and I've been to C2E2 a couple of times. So oh, yeah. C2E2 a lot of great shows up there, Comic-Con. right? Yeah, yeah C2E2 uh, well, before Wizard took over. Chicago Comic Con was the con. I was uh my first my first appearance at my first show. I mean, going there at ten as a fanboy was the Image Tent in oh, nineteen ninety two wow. that that big tent, and I never forget that. <laughs> I never forget <laughs> that, that that was a phenomenal moment right there. Um, what the, is it's crazy. What kind of what kind of comics did you like? What spoke to you? What what what? Who were some of your favorite creators growing up? Oh man, uh, I was more into like the uh, you know I I got into more of with the image guys and, like when they started coming to Marvel like Todd McFarlane and uh, Rod Liefeld and all those guys generally I I was like more on like the eighty six page like eighty six going to eighty seven mm-hmm. and then transition to the nineties so yes yeah, one love guys but Rod Liefeld the one that really stuck with me he kind of like just I don't know this work just. I mean, I know people are not a big fan of his, some um, don't like his work, but he he just grabbed I just gravitated to his work like a, like a just big influence. Like I think he's one of those guys that people either really love or they really don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got he's got a lot of fans. Um and yeah. I could see definitely looking at your style. I could yeah, I could tell your artistic style. I mean the stuff that I'm seeing here on the Indie Go Go campaign is very yeah, you could tell you're an image an image baby. Yeah, I was more of the image fan, image figure fan, and uh, what's crazy? I mean, Rob Life are best of friends now. That's what's mind blowing. I can't believe that. That's awesome. I'm with him, and that uh, we talk and stuff. So it's it's a, it's a great moment, though. It's a great moment to know pros that know you now, and it's, it's just so unreal that I can talk to him now. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm talking to this guy at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I have, uh, uh, as an indie creator myself uh, for comics, I, I could definitely say that the the environment is so welcoming. It's uh, it's really great to be part of it um, yeah. on any level. And uh, and and yeah, I'm surprised our paths haven't crossed before. Um, yeah, as, I, I try to know everyone. I just I, I, I got <laughs> rid of you guys. <laughs> Look, I I don't. There's so many people in. So every once in a while, I find someone in the Atlanta area, and I'm like, how do I not know you yet? Um, so. <laughs> It's amazing, but uh, let's talk about Agent Solo. Uh, what okay. is his What is his origin story as far as how you came up with the idea and and the concept behind Agent Solo? Okay, so um, July fourth, nineteen ninety six. 
um, when, you know, all my friends was out chasing girls and stuff and having a good time. <laughs> I decided to be um, that, that, that geek guy that stayed in the house and I um, wanted to work on my comics. I, I wanted to be a part of Image Comics, you know, and uh, I had created Agent Solo. And um, that was in, that was in 1990, 1996. I was 18 years old. And, you know, I'm at my mom's table cranking out these characters. And um, he came, he came, he's the third credit I created because I was a huge fan of uh, uh, the $6 million man show, TV show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Mission Impossible. I was a big, like, spy guy. Like, this, I was fascinated by all this spy stuff, like James Bond. That stuff fascinated me. So what I did was I wanted to create my own agent, man. But, he, uh, you know, I just want to take all the aspects that I love from all those TV series and create my agent, man, which came up to be Agent Solo. And he's like this biotic super agent. He goes around, uh, you know, Thoris national security threats, the terrorists. You know, like, you know, you got a lot of bad terrorists, but these guys are like high power like him because the bionic, the bionic, uh, the, uh, the bionic powers that he got, mm-hmm. the uh, blueprint of it got out in the black market. So all these bad guys start, you know, get their bodies, body parts all changed up into all this type of bionic, uh, you know, uh, movement of powers and stuff that he fights. And so um, that's what all that came from, just the level of uh, James Bond and a $6 million man. All that just came from that. And I just put all in there and just whipped him up. <laughs> so um, so with the with the campaign that you've got going on now with, uh, I believe it's at Indiegogo, correct? Yes. Uh, um, um, I noticed, of course, you, you know, you mentioned before, you've got the second issue of Agent Solo now, um, this is a pretty good jumping on point or, I mean, do you have it covered so that people can get the, the first issue and all that? Because a lot of comic yes, fans, you know, it. are completists. They got to start with issue one, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both issues, both issues are complete. And yeah, they can't get on. Like if they miss the first issue, they can get it right on this campaign because I have a special perks where you get both books. And if you just want, if you already had the first, I mean, first book, you get it uh, by itself. Gotcha. And I also gotcha. have action figures too. Gotcha. Is it a continuous story or are wow. there standalone stories or? Uh, let's continue on. It's like, it's like, um, I got like TV shows, like uh, mission one, mission two, but this one right here is like it's mission one through four. And after that, you know, um, it'd be mission five and six, stuff like that. So it's like ongoing. Gotcha. It looks pretty solid. Uh, you got a great campaign going. You got a lot of perks, a lot of uh, packages of variations that you can get, including, as you mentioned, the uh, the. Tell us the story about the action figure. How did that come about? Oh, uh, the action figure came. Uh, my friend, he was like, "Man, you know what? You got these T-shirts. You got people buying ages so low. You got them just getting get it, make a toy. <laughs> like make a toy. Like, man, how much is it cost to make a toy? He's like." Man, this is time. This is time. This is your time. Make the toy. So I'm like, all right, I got a fast one. We can make the toy. <laughs> so um, I go, on, I go, I go on my friends list on Facebook, and I got a guy who create who makes custom toys, and um, I hit him up. I said, uh, how much you cost me to make this toy? <laughs> he gave me a give me the price. I said, really? And so I sent it to him. He made it and. We just came best of friends after that, you know, and uh, I was surprised he could make the toy. You know, I, you know, I heard, I just know that stuff is expensive to make. And um, he made it. 
It looks amazing. You must have your mind must have been blown the first time you saw it. Yeah, man, I I, kinda, I teared up and cried. I'm like, oh my god, I got a toy! I got a toy! <laughs> Mom, is, I got a toy! That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, anytime I see any sign, anytime I see my books, you know, it's it's an emotional moment. You know, when you get those books printed, and uh, and now the figure as well, it just looks amazing. So thank you. Uh, no, so I, I'm I'm really happy for you. And anything that we can do, to, of course, to help support this, we'll have a link to it in our show notes. Um, but uh, so, and it looks great. It looks like great. Um, I could see where it's sort of a mashup between looks like superheroes and and like you said, spy stuff. So, what's not yeah. to like about that? Thank you. Yeah, I, I just I was a huge fan of. It. I used to uh, go around the house when I was a kid and have, cut out special glasses with paper. And <laughs> Out of made out of cardboard and stuff. It was just uh, I was just I was just so obsessed with being an agent, man. I, it was just like something I just wanted to do as a kid. You know, everybody wanted to be a policeman or something else. I just wanted to be an agent, man. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna send you on a mission now, Mike. Uh, you know, uh, if you've got the uh, the questions ready. Oh, I always have them ready. That's my new tattoo on my wrist. Actually, is the Geeksy <laughs> questions. So oh, that man, way, that, I'm that, fully that, prepared. That's really the, the 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 chair itself is painful, so I can't imagine. So, uh, yeah, like every good secret agent should know how to be interrogated in the chair, right? <laughs> exactly. So we'll break out the little, you know, drops to drop them on his forehead once every five minutes until he's just like so, like, give it up! I, I surrender! I surrender! That's the new geeksy <laughs> torture. So, all right, Ray, Ray, are you ready for your first question? Let's go. All right. What was your favorite geek out moment? Ah, uh, when I seen John Brown drawing at a lunch table at, uh, at um, Chicago Comic Con. Oh, that's he, awesome! Yeah, he was drawing it. He was drawing. I can't believe it. I seen. I don't know. I knew it was like a Will Waddles moment. He was there. People just walk about him. They didn't say anything to him. I mean, I knew that was him. I could tell by the beard. No, I was like. Huh. That's John freaking Bryan. I, uh, and, uh, uh, I was hitting my uncle. I'm like, yo, yo, that's John Bryan, dude. That was that. I just a man that looks like him. No, that's John Bryan. I'm not. You know, so we went over there. Excuse me. Aren't you John Bryan? He's like, yes, I am. Drawing it. He just drawing it. Drawing it through the lunch table. I mean, like. Oh, that's awesome. That is <laughs> I awesome. freaked out. And he probably was thrilled that you recognized him. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's like, well, I guess I'm looking like, damn it, somebody spotted me, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody was not coming up to this man. I mean, he's just sitting drawn at a draw, to, I mean, at the lunch table, like, <laughs> like it was just regular thing. I was like, wow, I can't believe this man is doing this. Oh, that is awesome, dude. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Uh, I can say it was Wizard World. Um, I went there. Went, I went there, and I thought usually I always get my uh, my uh, pro pass. And this time, that that looked red. I look, but they told me um, I went on the list, and I went, I knew I was. But I had my little nephew with me, so I, I, I paid for him, and I hit me up for like fifty bucks. And I what? walked around. I know really? it was a time broke in my life, and I was broke. <laughs> Walking around the car, I'm broke. Oh, dude, that's horrible. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, did that you get was, it, that did you get it worked out, like, or huh? was it all worked out, or did you just say whatever? Uh, 
yeah, I just wanted, I know he wanted to go. That was his first time going. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, yeah, yeah. take it. I know you. Take it. <laughs> Understandable. What geeks you out the most? Ah, uh, superhero movies. Which is your favorite? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. Um, cool. I also love, I know I might get some flack, but I love Justice League. Even though it could have been better, but I are you going to see the Snyder cut? Are you yeah, gonna I watch can't that? wait. I was geeking about that, man. I can't wait. The Black Superman suit. I mean, that's what fans wanted to see anyway. They want to see Dark Sea. and mm-hmm. I'm just—it's mind-boggling to me why they cut all that. And they know that you know that would have made sales even more better, you know. But I just—I do not understand DC films sometimes. Mm-hmm. No, agree completely. What turns your geek off? Uh, it turns my geek off. Uh, bad comic books. <laughs> like I do understand that. That's why I stepped. Away, I've stepped away from the industry a little bit. That uh, way. yeah, man. I'm. I'm not feeling. The, I'm not feeling the whole new Marvel movement. I'm not feeling. Uh, you know, I'm not really feeling DC like that either. But they're trying. But. Marvel just seems like they're just not caring for the fans anymore. I I don't know what's going on over there. I'm just not feeling the new books right now. It's just like it's no it's no passion. It's nothing like caring anymore. It's like you just throw it out there. They don't like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Throw it out. Throw it to the masses. You're right. Yeah. Stan is rolling in his grave right now. As they like Kirby to say. is too. I just feel sorry. Oh, for I that. know. Oh, I agree uh, I, completely. I can't believe it, man. I just can't believe what's going on there, over there at the House of Ideas right now. It's just unbelievable. I, <laughs> wow. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Ooh. Oh, man, that's a hard one, man. Uh, Green Lantern. Uh, Green Lantern, which one? I like to be Hal Jordan. Okay. Awesome. He's a white second guy. I like Hal Jordan. Okay. Awesome. What fictional character would you not like to meet? Uh, who I hate. Who ignores <laughs> Just to get on my nerves as a kid. Oh, man. You know what? Lino. He's an idiot. <laughs> okay. No, that's totally cool. This is your segment. It could be whatever you want it to be. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm this just is awesome. Dude. He just get on my nerves as a kid. <laughs> Okay. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Oh, that one I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have. I don't. I don't. I've been looking at my own words and stuff. That's okay. You can make up your own words and stuff like that. So I don't know what what geek word is. Dude, you just said it right there. Yeah, I'll be saying lit a lot. I got I got the pro saying it too. Okay. (laughs) Hey, you know, it doesn't have to be something established. It could just be something that you're used to saying. Okay, yeah, I'll be able to say that a lot. Does Does Agent Solo have a catchphrase? Oh yeah, yep. I got like in like in a movie. You know how the movies be when it's something going down, like a big interesting scene. You know, that was that was that had that one punchline to keep going. Like you know how Irish sports thing is, like get to the chopper or I'll be back. You know stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. you know, they contact him on his bracelet, and he always say, I'm busy. You know, stuff like that. You know, I, I got to say stuff like that. Oh, that's cool, <laughs> though. That is awesome. What is your ideal geek occupation? 
what I do is that, like, always in a, in a geek fashion way, like my occupation, geek occupation, or what I like. Whatever, to do. whatever you'd like to do. Uh, I'm. A, I love to draw, man. I love to draw and I love to write. Okay, that sounds awesome. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That'd be cool. <laughs> and you're kind of doing it right now with Agent Solo. Yeah, you know? um, it's, it's amazing that I, I I used to get in trouble for doing it in, in school because um, I was the I was the guy, the kid that would draw everything that any kid would ask for, and I wasn't doing my homework, and so <laughs> I was I was be the kid that get called up front. Come here, you know, call your mother. <laughs> you know, and uh, I went to Catholic school one time, and that's told my mom I was uh, drawing little devils and stuff because the that's what she seen in the superheroes eyes. She called them little devils. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is really cool. All right. You, what is your geek occupation that you don't want to do? Uh, you know what? I, uh, what I don't want to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, man. It's not, I mean, I love everything geek, though. I'm trust what I don't want to do. You know what? I hate... You no, know, sometimes I hate scripting. Though I do hate doing a lot of scripting. I, I would, I would know the story in my head, but then I pass it to a, a writer buddy to script it out for me. <laughs> because okay. I would hate to do all that uh, typing and stuff, and I get very irritated. I'm like, yo, man, I, can you just write this out? And I just give you the uh, outline of the script. Yeah, I can get. I, yeah, writing is all. Oh, that's I, awesome. I love it, but it's not all cracked up to be fun sometimes. All right, Raymond, you ready for your final question in the geek seat? Bring it on. <laughs> All right, dude. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Ah, uh, that's a hard one. I would love to see Solo as a movie. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't think that was going to be hard for you at all. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am going to see the movie, a cartoon, a Netflix, whatever, man. <laughs> oh dude that would be awesome i i was looking through your stuff and it would make a great movie or a cartoon thank you i i mean i could get some man get a big old big bag of popcorn and call it a day <laughs> oh dude you know i hope you for the best because guess what you've made it through the geek seat congratulations Yes, Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth 68 cents. Ooh, ow. I know. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the pandemic's really taken its toll. I'm sorry. Hey, Matt, but, uh, Matt the comic books is back for 10 cents back in the day, how we could get them. There you that go. That would be a lot of comics, man. 68 cents will go a long way. Sure, 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 sure. Well, that was six it'll, comic books. It'll, it'll, it'll get you a couple books in the quarter bin. Um, uh, no, I'm very impressed with Agent Solo. Uh, everything looks Thank great you, here. People need to check this out. It is, uh, as you as as you point out in here, high octane spy superhero adventure in the in yeah in the spirit of the '90s stuff. It looks great, man. Uh, we'll you. definitely have a link to the indie campaign on our show notes. Is there any place else that people should go online to check out your work or follow you? Oh yeah, um, you can hit me up at, uh, on Facebook. I, I, I made I got a lot of friends, but I still got more. I work a little more. I'm at Raymond Leonard. Um, Instagram Raymond Leonard. Uh, Twitter at Guytron104. 
And also, um, I have a YouTube channel called uh, Draw and Talk Pop Culture. Awesome. And you can, yeah, you can actually uh, can watch you draw there. That's always cool. I like seeing the process. Yeah, yeah I like to draw talk about my favorite stuff, uh, you know, geek culture, pop culture, um, because I just love, I love, I just love the whole entire industry. Even those things are changing within the industry, but you know, it also take good us good creators to make that change. Uh, we change it back to what we love, you know. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and it's great. I I love the passion for you, and uh, and good luck on the rest of the campaign. Thank you, Mike, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad. I love, I love this, man. I I I was told I was informed by you guys by my good friend. Uh, uh, I think his name is Billy. I think I think his name. I gotta look at the name again because he referred me to you guys, and I I looked you guys was there, up. Was there a friend, Bobby Nash? Bobby Nash, that's who it is. I said, that's it. Bobby Nash with glasses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He is a great promoter for us. He's been a great friend. I'm like, what? Because I'm like, isn't he a podcast guy? Look at Tom Sewell News. He's just trying to to get out of good graces, so we'll let him out of the airlock. That's all he's doing. Exactly. That is it. Well, Raymond, thank you so much, my friend. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back with Strangers on a Train. everybody, Michelle here with an Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. In the last two weeks, we have gotten projects, new projects from arguably the two most powerful women in the music industry. Uh, Taylor Swift's Folklore album went straight to number one with sales of more than 150000 already. And on Friday, Black is King premiered on Disney+, Plus, directed, written, performed, and executive produced by none other than Beyonce. Uh, It's intended to be a companion piece to the um, last year's soundtrack album for the live-action Lion King called Lion King the Gift. Uh, It's a familiar story. Young African King is cast out from his family into a harsh world, and he undergoes a journey through betrayal, love, and self-identity to reclaim his throne with the guidance of his ancestors. Uh, It's told through the stories of present-day black artists. Uh, I know Pharrell Williams is on a track. Um, Beyonce says it was uh, created to celebrate the breadth and beauty of black ancestry and present elements of black history and African tradition with a modern twist and universal message and what it truly means to find your self-identity and build a legacy. She was also very interested in presenting uh, various kinds of authentic African music. Um, So it's a very exciting project. Um, And will we have a new number one this week? We'll have to wait and see. And um, in other news, a story that I know you're, you're all just wondering about, uh, James Pankow of the band Chicago has been awarded the International Trombone Association's Lifetime Achievement Award. Forget the Grammys, forget the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, this is the big stuff here. Uh, this award is given to people who've distinguished themselves by their contributions to the trombone profession over a long career. So congratulations to James Pankow. This is the kind of hard-hitting journalism I know you expect from the talk show. So just the service I provide. That is the talk show for this week. Uh, The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and we will catch you next time. 
The next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder, like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcasts, like you would find any other podcasts in the Thunderverse or the ESO Network. I beg your pardon. Aren't you Guy Haynes? My name is Bruno. Bruno Anthony. Want to hear one of my ideas for a perfect murder? Two fellows meet accidentally. No connection between them at all. Never saw each other before. Each one has somebody that he'd like to get rid of. So, they swap murders. Crisscross. I may be old-fashioned, but I thought murder was against the law. You think my theory's okay, Guy? You like it? Sure, bro. Sure. Now, everything didn't go smoothly. She doesn't want the divorce. But you sound so savage, Guy. Sure I sound savage. I feel savage. I like to break a neck now, who did you say this is? Bruno Guy. Bruno Anthony. Don't you remember? On the train. Is your name Miriam? Right here. Help somebody! Help! Guy! Are you trying to tell me? Why, you maniac! But, guy, you want it. There seems to be no way of diplomatically breaking tragic news. It concerns your wife. She's been murdered. Miriam murdered? She was strangled. You're just as much in it as I am. We planned it on the train. Crisscross. How did you get him to do it? He's a maniac. I met him on the train going to Medcalf. And now a lunatic wants me to kill his father. Bruno? I've decided to do what you want. I still think it'd be wonderful to have a man love you so much and kill for you. Well, then am I correct, Mr. Haynes, in assuming that you have no intention of going ahead with our arrangement? None whatsoever. I don't like to be double-crossed. I have a murder on my conscience. But it's not my murder, Mr. Haynes. It's yours. I'm not going to shoot you, Mr. Haynes. I'll think of something better than that. Much better. Better keep on your toes, something funny's going on. Guy Haynes is taking chances I've never seen him take. Excuse me, madam, I need your help. We're chasing a man. Haynes, hold it! Welcome back. Now it's time to do what your parents told you you never should do. Never talk to strangers on a train. <laughs> we have uh, a great crew, of course, to crisscross and talk all about it. With us, of course, is Ashley. Hello. Thank you, as always, for having me back. It is always a pleasure. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard the the, the Hitchcock train. And, the uh, crazy train. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> well, yeah. It, yeah, it can be, and can be, and of course, we have Alex with us as well. That's a pleasure to be here. I was really hoping he was going to say Soul Train, um, <laughs> but uh, not, yeah, no, not it's a Soul train. train. There it is. Uh, no, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, we are talking about the classic 1951 Strangers on a Train, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Um, this is one where I'm really eager to talk about because, as we know, I am a big Hitchcock fan. And uh, I was glad to add this one to our list. It's it's not uh, 
it's not light fare, but it's actually not, um, I don't know. There's always, with Hitchcock, there's always sort of, I think, a, um, a comedic, dark uh, comedy element to, I think, most of his movies, especially this one. Um, but um, Alex, shall we talk about box office numbers? Let's <laughs> talk about box office numbers. <laughs> from um, 1951. From ni- all the way back in 1951. So yeah, uh, this movie actually didn't do bad for itself all the way around. It was a number six movie. Uh, in the country for the year um, coming in with a, a global box office of $7,020,000 and 15,000 of that international market came from South Korea. <laughs> okay. So this movie That's only odd. got released in South Korea in New Zealand, hmm. which is uh, really kind of crazy, but uh, not, nah, uh, it, it is. It's, they, they only released it in those two countries. And it did, I mean, $15,000 in South Korea in 1951, not bad. So, um, you know, I think it was a, a pretty good, but $7 million in a year that also included uh, Streetcar Named Desire, uh, Showboat, but musicals were still really big, uh, The African Queen. Um, it, you know, to be behind those, fantastic. And and usually, I mean, Hitch wasn't like, you know, not what we consider a box office director, but yet uh, he was very popular. Um, mm-hmm. His movies were very popular and they 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 did well. And he usually got them under budget. Um, he usually produced them because uh, there are some names and not in this one in particular, but in some of his later movies, of course, there are bigger names. Yeah. And so that adds to the budget a bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, he produces this for less than two million gets a box office of 7 million, earns his keep, right? And keeps on making movies. Yes, he does. Um, so let's talk about our experience with the movie. Ashley, had, had, had you seen this before? This is my first time to see Strangers on a Train, but I had seen a Hitchcock movie before, North by Northwest. I'm a huge fan of Cary Grant. So I really enjoyed having that be my introduction to Alfred Hitchcock. But I was curious to see how the two movies kind of compared. It's always interesting that before I watch a black and white movie, I think, oh, you know, sometimes you think you're missing out because it's not in color. But then once you get into the movie and it engrosses you, you don't even really notice that the color is not there because if the story is told so well, it just sucks you into it anyway. And what's funny is that I actually intended to watch half of this movie and then go to bed and then watch the other half the next day. But I ended up just staying up past my bedtime so I could find out what happened because it's, it gets very intense. It's like, there's no, I'm not going to sleep tonight if I don't know how this goes down. So I was a little sleep deprived the next day, but worth it. I, it was a really interesting film and some great twists and turns that I'm sure we'll dive into a little bit more here. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm glad that you had that experience. Um, it's so weird for me because, I mean, I, I, you know, I've seen most of these movies over and over and over again so much, and I, I can't remember what it would be like, you know, or even imagine what it would be like seeing it for the first time. And a lot of these have have become sort of pop culture. Um, I don't want to say icons, but they're engrossed in their pop culture. So even though a lot of people haven't seen Strangers on a Train. You know, they they know what crisscross means. They know what the concept is. Uh, there's certain elements of this that have uh, sort of uh, lived beyond the movie. And so I don't know if sometimes that spoils the experience. So once you see it, you're kind of like, mm, I don't know if it, if it lives up to the hype, you know? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And one of the things that struck me too is 
this film was obviously made years ago, but it didn't feel dated in the same way that other films do. Sometimes you can kind of tell, oh, this film is from a certain area. But I thought that this, it was really well shot and I, it was cool to see how some of the cinematography that Hitchcock uses are still used in movies today. Just some of the unique and interesting shots, like people, the shot of people's feet walking onto the train to kind of build that mystery and suspense, like who are our main characters here? So I really enjoy not only the story, but the way this film was told and shot from a sense of cinematography. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Alex, uh, what about you? What's your experience with this movie? Okay. So here's the situation. Um, <laughs> I have, have, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I am not a fan of Alfred Hitchcock. I'm not. I, I just, I, I never have been. Uh, my first experience with Hitchcock was actually the movie The Trouble with Harry. Mm. Uh, and it's one of, it's my favorite of all of his because it's a comedy and it's a straight up comedy with lots of interesting effects with shadows. Um, and, um, but overall, I, I've never really been able to get into uh, a film like North by Northwest or, 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 uh, or Vertigo or even Psycho. Um, I mean, I appreciate high anxiety, uh, <laughs> but that's a Mel Brooks film. So, um, and, and the fact is that Hitchcock did a lot of things that terrorize uh, his, his main uh, uh, female stars. So, um, I don't, you know, it, it never really clicked with me. Um, my experience with Strangers on a Train, I finished it 15 minutes before we started the podcast. <laughs> okay. So I'm literally coming in probably with the most recent uh, viewing of it because I got home from work, made dinner, and put it on Amazon. And? Um, one, of the, one of the great things, advantages that Alfred Hitchcock and a lot of directors of that time had um, with the movies being in black and white is they utilize the shadows more. Mm-hmm. And there's some great shadow work in this film. Um, it is one of the problems with the movie for me is that the plot I've seen before, and I've seen it in the form of throw mama from the train. Oh, because- uh- and exactly. And it's because they took it from strangers on a train. Right. So I think, I think people who are going into it, uh, uh, like myself, um, having never seen it before really, you know, paid attention to what the plot was before going, before watching it. Um, it, it loses a little something because of the fact that you, you've already seen this kind of plot in other movies. Mm-hmm. And obviously this one was the one that started it all. Um, and the, the acting in it was superb. Um, there's some really amazing camera effects. I'm looking forward to talking about those. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, it was not really on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to, to talking about, you know, from that point of view. Yeah, no, me too. That's why I'm glad that uh, you're bringing that perspective. Cause that's exactly what I was mentioning to Ashley. Cause I don't like I, it's to me, it's ingrained. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I do wonder sometimes if classic movies such as this um, resonate with uh, you know, today's, you know, generation or, or hold up, you know, so many times we see things that, um 
yeah, it's like by the time you see it, it's kind of like, I, I can't imagine that Psycho would have near as an impact as now as it did when it came out. We already know that it doesn't because there was a shot for shot remake. Right. But I mean, <laughs> in terms of like, like, right. let's let, you know, I mean, for anybody to watch it now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause they already know, they already know who Norman Bates is. They know the shower scene. They've heard all that stuff before. Right. We, so, we know, we know what, you know, we, we know what Rosebud is. We know, right. We know that it was Earth all exactly. along. We right, know right. it was the kid was dead the whole time. Right. Or something we know like that, that. Yeah, we know that um, we know how Casablanca ends. We know that yeah. you know they're not gonna end up together, et cetera, et cetera. So so yeah, I do think that I do wonder if sometimes, you know, these movies as classic as they are, I I wonder whether or not they still hold up. And so yeah. I'm interested to hear that perspective as well. Um, Mike, what about you? You're gonna be surprised. This was actually my first time watching this. Woo! Ooh, we got some uh we got some strangers on a train virgins that uh <laughs> here tonight the, exactly and like alex i was introduced to the concept the whole thing with throw mama from the train and you know the whole time you know thinking it was billy crystal and you know and it was just it was just awesome to think about and then to watch this with that in mind and going, okay, I know how this goes. I know, you know, how Danny DeVito is. I know how Billy Crystal is. I know how the mama is. And then to see this film and be blown away by it. This one, both when we were going to do something very similar to what Ashley was going to do, because we got a late start last night to watch it and we could not stop watching this film when we when the movie finally ended when we went through the whole credits we were both like wow this is just awesome and it's like it it is a true classic and it blows pretty much this is probably one of my favorite hitchcock movies now because of watching it and the the suspense and the psychoness and it's just it was just awesome to see, and we'll get into that and everything. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, I want to. I want to get right into it because, uh, yeah, and that's great to hear as well. Um, because I think, I think that's one of the beauties to me of uh, and why the I can uh, the rewatchability of Hitchcock movies for me, because uh, since I've watched them, I this is the second time I've seen this movie in in three months. So, uh, uh, so for me, it's like, yeah, I've seen this movie over and over again. And yes, I know how it ends. Yes. I know like a lot of stuff that happens in it. I know the plot and everything, but to me, the, the, the real beauty of what Hitchcock does when he's working, uh, with all his skills is that he lays something down and he says like, look, it's pretty much clear within the first 10 minutes of this movie that Bruno's going to do what he says he's going to do. And, uh, and guy is not right. Guy's going to have a problem with it. And that's, he sets that up right in the first, like 10, 15 minutes. Right. So the rest of the movie is just playing with that. Right. It's just intensifying that. And, uh, I just think it's, it's a great exercise in, in suspense, because even though you know pretty much how this is going to go, it's the, the journey there, I think is pretty taxing. Uh, or it can be anyway. Um, oh, but it, it was interesting though because when you know from the moment you met uh, basically Guy's wife, 
mm-hmm. and you know you disliked her she was just <laughs> oh she was just like it's because oh. she worked in a record store right no just kidding no i loved her because <laughs> she worked at the record store but that was the best part about her but it was just like she was just she was just evil she was you know bruno was crazy she was pure evil she was out to ruin guy's life and it was just interesting because you know even from you know after she says i'm gonna stay with you and i'm gonna have the baby with you down in washington blah 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 you know that whole thing and then to the next scene when bruno's following her she's out with two other guys going to the you know to the amusement park it's like oh what a slut you know yeah, yeah. they they do everything they can to make you not like her yeah. yeah, but guy's no angel. He's having an affair. <laughs> He's having an affair that makes the papers. Guy may be the dumbest character in this movie. <laughs> so, so we're having a conversation on the train. Just yeah, mm. yeah. To him, the marriage was over. They were right. seeking divorce. He was going up there to give her money to pay for the attorney, and that was going to be it. So. I don't think he's, you know, I, he's not the smartest tech on the, he's but athlete. he, yeah, <laughs> touche, touche. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and he wants to go into politics. So, you know. And you do that the most natural way possible through amateur tennis. Well, you know, he's already, there's already a lot of back and forth going on. Yeah. So. There, <laughs> I want to uh, talk about that later on, though, when we get to that. Um, the, uh, all right. Yeah. Well, it's pretty open now. Um, I guess I, I do want to start though, I guess, uh, or carry on, uh, cause I can't, we can't not talk about Bruno. Um, cause I think, uh, that Bruno is, I think one of Hitchcock's best villains ever. Uh, I think the way he's written, the way Robert Walker plays him, he's, he's delightfully charming He's, he's psychotic. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot to suggest that he's homosexual. Um, he's Hollywood gay, they call it. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, I just wanted to see what uh, effect that, because yes, you're right. Guy, he's pretty, he's pretty straight. He's pretty dumb. Uh, I do agree with that. Uh, but Bruno is something else entirely. Ashley, what do you think of Bruno? I thought that he was a really fascinating villain. It's interesting from the first moment you meet him on the train. He seems, you know, just like a chatty guy, a little bit eccentric, but kind of pleasantly so. And then the conversation just kind of gets weirder and weirder as it goes. And then he's talking about murdering somebody. But then I, at that point, I think Guy is still thinking like he's just joking around and it's not until later you realize like, oh man, he is serious about this. But there's so many interesting layers, just Bruno's relationship with his parents. There's probably whole layers of story that you could unpeel back there. And just the fact that he goes through with his plan and then Guy can't get rid of him and just the fear of that and kind of Bruno's crazy starts drawing Guy in to the point where for a minute I was worried that he was actually going to go through and murder Bruno's father just to get rid of him. So I think Bruno did a really good job of having that character really get under Guy's skin. And it's just kind of terrifying the thought that just an encounter with a stranger could totally change your life. I know that 
I probably don't want to talk to random people anymore after this on it. It's like, don't talk to people you don't know on a train. So (laughs) just And I think even Guy learned that lesson by the end. So, but yeah, he was a very fascinating character, I thought. Um, And, and probably you were not, I mean, I think that's one thing about this movie too, is that uh, you probably weren't too experienced with a lot of the actors, performers in this, right? So you probably didn't recognize like Robert Walker from anything else. Yeah, I think this is probably my first time seeing some of them. And I was also thankful that I really didn't know much about this movie at all. So a lot of the surprises and the twists hit me. Like I, I didn't know it was coming. So I think that really impacted my enjoyment of the film as well. It really was a surprise. Have, uh, to Mike's point, I have, have you not. seen Throw Mama from So, time? Okay, so now you now that, that I know it, it's based on. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think, uh, I think that'll enhance. To me, it enhances the viewing of this. Uh, Strangers on a Train, the comedy. Yes. <laughs> um, um, uh, Alex, what about you? What about uh, Robert Walker's performance and Bruno in this? So, I, 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 again, much like Ashley, had the advantage of not really knowing uh, a whole lot of these actors and any of their work prior. So for me, like I don't get introduced to, uh, uh, to, to Robert Walker. I get introduced to Bruno. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just how I see him. There's, there's, um, there are moments throughout the film where, where things are implied and yes, there's a dark side, a very, very dark side, uh, to him throughout, but there's a moment at the beginning, uh, or not so much the beginning, but but a little bit shortly after the beginning, uh, where you have that moment of, oh, that's where his mind is, and it's where he sees his mother's painting. Mm-hmm. Oh God, and yes. She and he starts laughing and goes, "Yep, that's the old man, all right." And they flip the camera to you see the thing, and it's the most demonic possession of a painting you've ever seen in your life. Um, and, and and she, I think she said she was trying to make it look like St. Francis. Um, yeah, I think so. But uh, yeah, it was just like, oh, okay. So yeah, we already established that like when he's sitting there t- asking Guy, hey, Guy, are we speaking the same language? You know, and, and, and Guy is just dumb as a box of rocks. Um, going, yeah, we're we're speaking the same language, you know, English. Um, and no, no, you're not. Um, but yeah, Bruno, uh, Bruno is in a time when we don't get to see a lot of well-developed villains. And we haven't seen a whole lot of that in a while. That's something we've talked about on this show a lot. Yep. Yep. Um, Bruno is a very well-developed, uh, uh, psychopath. Oh God. Yes. One that like you, you look at some of the actors that are out now and you try to figure out who would play Bruno uh, in, in a movie. And, you know, you get you could get a Christian Bale out of American uh, out of American uh, Psycho uh, mm-hmm. with that. Um, but I you know it's funny. We I've already mentioned the shot for shot remake kind of would like to see Vince Vaughn in a role like this. Hmm. But he's already um, done. Vince Vaughn has also already yeah. done. Yeah, know, but I mean, psycho. but 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 you do a charismatic, overly likable homicidal maniac. 
What about someone like John Favreau? Would be really interesting because you Favreau wouldn't expect would be interesting it. because you wouldn't expect it. Um, yeah. But we 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 learned fairly early on. Uh, there's a moment, in fact, in which you know I, I didn't even think about it until we're just talking about it now. Um, at the amusement park where he's about to uh, uh, try to ring the bell to do the high striker. Um, and he looks right at her mm-hmm. and shows both hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He does this move, which will not be seen on podcast, <laughs> grabs the hammer, rings the bell, wins the Cupid doll. And then five minutes later, strangles her. Um. And by the way, nice fake out by Hitchcock with the Tunnel of Love scream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thought that Which was, was awesome. genius. Because I'm like, oh, crap, it's going to happen off screen. Yeah, because you see the shadow closing mm-hmm. in on him, right? Yes. He's going to like kill her right there with two guys there? Yeah. He's going to kill all three of them. Because <laughs> that was the only way that I was figuring he was going to be able to pull this thing off. And no, and, and that no. little kid with the balloon, too. Uh, <laughs> well, that kid deserved it. <laughs> He's a crap. Well, that's what makes, uh, I think, Bruno, I mean, even though he's psychotic, I mean, there's sort of like that dark comedy charm to him, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. like Ashley pointed out, you see his shoes. From the first shot, you see his shoes. You're like, this guy is kind of cool. I like those shoes. You know, they're they're more the interesting shoes. than guys. Exactly. You see the shoes. You see the pinstripe pants and that awful tie. Oh. He does. He, he cleans you imagine up if it was well. in color, what it would look like? Ooh. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he does he cleans up well throughout when he's when he has to be in a black tie bam he shows up black tie yeah um you know I mean, it's an awesome look back then too we we need to just go back to all the men dressing like 1951 yeah oh hell no it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah but, uh, uh, you know, i look it's pandemic i don't even know i like you, you mean to wear pants he's not wearing first. pants guys come on <laughs> you're asking a uh, lot there uh, uh mike any more thoughts on on bruno no, you guys have hit pretty well. It, it was interesting because it's like he couldn't understand why Guy wasn't going to go through with it. It's like it wasn't registering. Man. You know, hey, I did this to you for you. You know, this is your time. You know, it's going to be easy for you to do. Here's the key. Here's the map. Here's the gun. You know, the whole thing. The great and, map too. Oh, exactly. And. You you actually got psyched at one point where you actually thought Guy was going to go through with this and everything, and he went to the house, and it was just like, oh, and then the whole scene with the dog, and that was just awesome. It was just so well done. The thing with Bruno, though, the one scene that really, really got me was at the party where he was demonstrating the choking. Yes. And... Then, you know, and what was her name? Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's daughter, Barbara. Yes. When he, she was watching and he saw like the fire, the fire from the lighter in the glasses. That was just, that was just so well done because that was going into Bruno's head. And then Bruno was like pressing harder and harder. And then he passed out. And it was just like, that was just so awesome. It was just, it was just so well done. And it was yeah. just like, and the every scene where you saw Bruno stalking guy through Washington, DC, it was just like, oh, this guy is going to be so much trouble. And he was calm the whole time. He was eerily calm 
the whole time. He didn't really get upset. Even when guy punched him in the face at the party <laughs> right. and, and it's like, Oh, you're going to pay for that. But he didn't get upset and get right into brute. You know, now you would have the actor getting all macho and everything like that. Oh, you're going to pay for that. You're going to, you know, that you're whole right. thing. He's not an overly We're, emotional rage monster. No, yeah. not you don't see any emotion at all from Bruno, really. He he does let something slip that his plan isn't 100% perfect. And it's when, uh, first of all, if Guy had decided to go through with it, that would have messed up everything because he would have wound up shooting Bruno. Um, <laughs> but um, there's a moment where, where, where Guy's leaving Bruno's house. And Bruno says, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shoot you. I don't want to disturb mother. If Guy had gone through with it, there would have been a witness in the house. Yep. Yep. It, it's, it, it's a, I like, so you now have to wonder, did Bruno plan for there to be somebody in the house and get Guy arrested anyway? Well, to be uh, fair, you know, to be fair, Bruno says that he knew that his father wasn't going to be home, so yeah. he didn't make the preparations that he should. He would have made. Uh, right, uh, the other yeah, way. all right. Um, and and just so you guys know, spoiler alert here on the book, uh, guy does kill his father. He goes through with it, um, and he's guilt ridden through the entire novel. Uh, guilt ridden through the entire movie. Yeah, the one, he's the one cool thing with guy. I will say. He told his fiance what was going on. It wasn't like a modern movie where he'd be hiding it <laughs> until the very end, you know, type thing. No, he just hid it for the first hour and ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. She she yeah. figures it out when he confronts her. When she confronts him, then uh, then but he but, unloads like a cannon. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, but yeah. it, but it's cool because like in normal movies, you'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, and yeah, then just true. like play it off and everything and it was it was just really interesting the dynamic between the two of them was really well i liked the chemistry between those two and i liked that i liked um the sister was awesome she was yes she was awesome well, and, well you know when the actress is hitchcock's daughter you know she's gonna get a good role <laughs> oh she got a great role in this she's she's got the expository role she is yeah, it's, Basil it's, Exposition for sure. It's her best role ever. Like yeah. uh, she's in a couple of other movies, uh, and she's in another Hitchcock movie as well. But uh, she's uh, she's great in this. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other things that uh, got your attention? You mentioned that there was some other things you wanted to talk about, whether it's shots or scenes or sequences. Ashley, anything else to stand out for you? Um, yeah, I one of the shots that really struck me was when Bruno is strangling uh, Guy's ex-wife, how it's reflected in the glasses. Just a really eerie way to shoot that and just adds to kind of the creepy feeling of the atmosphere. Um, that was That was a shot that really stuck out to me. I enjoyed how they just kept the tension kind of going throughout the whole movie. That tennis match was agonizing, just like watching him keep like oh, looking God, at the yes. clock, like it just kept going on. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you're right there with him, like stressing out, like you've got to get on the train, you've got to get to the carnival or else Bruno's going to frame you. And then that, I thought that was really intense, a well done scene. And just, yeah, you couldn't do that with any other sport. There's something about tennis. Yes. But they like that, that, 
it goes on and on and on. And it's just like, yeah, you just like, you're just waiting for the damn thing. To end. And it's back and forth. And yeah. it's, I love tennis. Too. Yeah. And it's just him. He doesn't really have any moral support from teammates on that point. Like really his only ally yeah. at this point is his fiance because he can't really just like come out and go to the police. Like he has to find a way to prove his innocence. So that was, that was definitely one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Alex. There's a couple of different things about this film that I really, really enjoyed as far as uh, scene wise and, and, and seeing it in other films. Cause like I see it in this film and go, Oh, now I know where they got that. Um, there's a great scene in um in oceans 13 in which they blow up uh um they they they, they knock down a uh, one of the uh, hotels and everybody turns to look at the hotel except for george clooney and except for matt damon because matt damon's watching george george is watching what's on the stage and it may have been oceans 11 not a thing about it but we continue it was oh. um that exact same shot is used in this film when everybody's watching the tennis match that's playing mm-hmm. and Bruno is just eyes set dead on guy. So good. And, and watching it in this movie, you can see that this is like the first time this has really been done in a film. And um, it, it, it gives you that really cool element. And I love that scene. I, I think that's a really cool scene in this film. Um, oh, it's the total creep since, factor there too. Oh, oh so right. much creepy, so much creepy, and the the fact that you know, I mean, I honestly think Guy's wife was probably perfect for him because she was dumb as a box of rocks too. If a guy is following you around from the bus <laughs> to your death, um, yeah, it's probably not a guy you want to be flirting with. Um, oh, and she was big time. Oh, she was. She was flirting with danger, mm. um, which you know turned out to be you know her end. Um, but the uh, the 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 lighters uh, in 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 the eyes of uh, of Barbara when mm-hmm. the straight was it the strangulation that was happening, or was it when he first meets her? Um, actually, I think it was when he first met her. I think it's when he first meets her, and then. When, when he's doing do the, the strangulation thing, he's, he's just hearing staring. the music. Yeah, he's hearing yeah. the music, but he's staring right at he's her. He's staring dead at her. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a great thing that he's able to do is he can pull off creepy stare. I mean, I oh, can do God, that yeah. too, but only for 50 yards, thanks to the restraining order. <laughs> um, we know all about those here on the station. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> One of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, I, I think visually... Uh, I I cannot find a single fault with this film. Uh, I think the shadow effect work is great. Um, there are moments in which in which Bruno just comes out of the shadows, and it's more than a little creepy. Uh, there's a right at the um, right at the the test of strength. Uh, she looks behind her to see where he is, and then it turns out he's right next to her. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was that was like oh, oh that, <laughs> that that's your jump scare for the entire film uh, mm-hmm. that and you know watching old man MacGuffin crawling underneath the carousel <laughs> oh uh, god it's like no there's no gore back then there's no gore <laughs> back then <laughs> it's like now that you just see the blood stain or something or... yeah that that kid was toast 
they don't they, they don't explain it like I'm, like he saves the kid by putting him in that little uh carry thing and i'm like and when once the ground crashes i'm like yeah that kid is dead it doesn't crash it explodes well yeah oh that yeah thing, if you if you if for no other reason watch this movie to see what it was like for a carousel to explode in 1951. Oh, dude. Um, there's a moment I... which one of the horses looks at the camera. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I thought, you know, oh, my God. Is Guy going to get killed by the hoof of the, the oh, horse as it yeah. was going up and down? <laughs> it was just like, oh, my God. That, that fight scene was awesome. That was a great choreographed fight scene. And then for Guy to rescue the kid who went flying off. Yeah. And everything. I thought that's how the police were going to go. Clearly, he didn't do it because he was willing to save a kid. Um, Yeah. And and then, no. They believed that guy, but at least the the carny who had seen, you know, Bruno. Well, they they, they believed him up until the point where he was like, you know, check Bruno. He's got my watch. He's got my lighter. I don't have your lighter. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> okay you're under search arrest him. no well you know no we can't we can't we can't search him good heavens um mm-hmm. i yeah. don't know the we don't have a warrant like, yeah we don't have a warrant then, then it's just like yeah. it's in his hand it's like yeah 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 it's not in his pocket it's in his hand um exactly. I, there's one there's one thing that i've got to talk about because it's the one real negative that i have with the film and that's the sequence in which he drops the lighter Oh, into the sewer? Into the sewer grate. Because it's a three-minute scene Mm -hmm. that does nothing to the story. No, it doesn't affect the story at all. At all. It does. It stops Bruno. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. He makes it to the carnival plenty of time. Yeah, he could. He's there before dark. Right, but yeah. it makes it it makes it so that they're on 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 equal, and it also adds to the tension of the tennis game too. You've got two That's things true. going on that are tense, and That's so it, du- it doubles the tension. This, yeah. uh, and I'll get into it a little bit. But this movie is all about like what the what's really fun about this movie for me mm-hmm. is to look at all the the doubles and the and the double entendres, the puns, oh, the metaphors that have to do with doubles in this movie, and it's just insane how much he puts into this um and uh and yes but i i get your point like yes okay i get your point like yes it doesn't because he gets there early and has to wait till dark anyway yeah yeah he didn't even get a hot dog from the guy right no he had an ice cream sundae or something or whatever Mm -hmm. he had it was just like i I do love it from the from seeing bruno's reaction to it i uh seeing bruno react to it and and his uh and watching bruno do that but then again i guess watching bruno read the phone book would be kind of interesting too so (laughs) they could have done that that's fair enough (laughs) oh it was funny as hell because like when judy was like saying so she went to that island with two guys that would have been interesting to for them to find a nice private spot (laughs) right there yeah she went to the island with two guys and she's she's eyeing a third yeah exactly (laughs) she goes to an island with two guys while eyeing a third and the husband is the number one suspect exactly (laughs) what's wrong with that picture yeah it is kind of well interesting to me that the other two guys that she was with were not suspects at all they're like oh the other witnesses but i think like ever yeah wouldn't those be the prime suspects like they were with her when she died but they say they didn't do anything so i just thought that was kind of funny yeah, yeah. They had alibis each other. Exactly. 
<laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, that's it. Um, how do you how do you properly describe yeah. a, a a a gentleman on the train with you who is your absolute alibi? And his response is, "I'm too drunk to remember that you existed, sir." Like. I was able to describe where you were on the train. <laughs> where you were on the train, why you were on the train. Nope, no, you're still a suspect, sir. I was singing uh, what? Uh, yeah, exactly. The, uh, okay, I have to get this out um, because it's, like I said, the fun part of me is the doubles. I mean, the movie starts with a pair, two pairs of shoes. Uh, and from then on, we just, it's just, everything goes, uh, uh, Bruno, two tennis when they, rackets when they made up. Yes. He has two tennis rackets. Uh, when they meet up, uh, Bruno orders a double. Yep. Two and then yep. he orders, then he orders a double for guy. So he literally like doubles down on the doubles there. Yeah. Um, there the are, cross. yes, there's, uh, there, like, yeah. When she goes to the Island, she goes with not one, but two guys. Oh, <gasps> Uh, I mean, it's just, there. it's just, just full of them. Um, and it is amazing to see like how much that is implemented. Of course, you know, his, his ex-wife, um, has a, or yeah, his, his wife that dies, that is murdered, uh, has a double, uh, which is not in the book, by the way. Uh, uh, so she was written for the, for the movie, um, for <laughs> the director's daughter, um, but, uh, um, I think in, in both cases, it, you know, like I said, it, it works out because it's just, it's so much fun, uh, to see, to see all of that play out. And, uh, and, and so if you guys do feel like watching it again, just, you know, keep track of all the, the things that are doubles in this. And, and I guarantee you, none of them are by accident. Oh God, no. It's interesting because you see all the, and he has, you know, he has this perfectly planned and each shot is just so well done. There was only one shot that didn't work for me where you could tell it was a fake background. I think it was when they were in either a museum or the Capitol or something. And the and, museum shot where they see Bruno. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was, it was just so badly done. That was the only time I didn't, it took me out of the scene. Even the scene when Bruno was on the steps of the Jefferson Memorial, like real far away and kept on staring down guy, even, oh, we got to get into the cab, you know, that type of thing. It was just so well done. And, you know, you had your Hitchcock uh, little cameo in it real quick. Yes, yes. And what does he have? Oh, it's a double base. Yeah, a double base. Oh. There you go. Nice. There you go. Nice. I could have messed everything up and just said a cello, but no. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but uh, I think we're like kind of done, right? Uh, I mean, we, or are and, we? And we? Or we could, you know, we could we could double up as well. Uh, I was a sled the whole time. <laughs> But, um, I mean, any last words as far as Strangers on a Train? Ashley, for you, this is your second Hitchcock movie. Are you becoming a Hitchcock fan? Are you eager to see more? Or where do you stand? Yes, I would definitely like to see more. I really liked North by Northwest. And I think I actually even enjoyed Strangers on a Train even more. So I'm definitely interested in delving into some of his other work. Awesome. 
Alex, I know you're not a fan, but uh, hopefully it was it was not too torturous for you. You know, it's an entertaining film, and I can I can at least say that, and it's it's definitely one that would be interesting to rewatch. Um, it's it, it's it's not my wheelhouse for whatever reason. Hitchcock and suspense just don't click for me, um, but it, it doesn't change the fact that it's an excellently made film. Uh, it is great for filmmakers and I think film writers uh, to use as homework uh, just to be able to see how you can build some really, really solid characters, uh, even side characters with minimal uh, work on them and still have a protagonist who's dumb as hell. <laughs> Do you think, well, and that's the other thing too. I mean, that's the, that's the dichotomy that is Gus uh, or guy rather. And, uh, mm. The guy's name is Guy. Talk about it, every man, right? Yeah, I mean, um, it's like it was like like. <laughs> there's moments where I'm like, it's the laziest writing ever, and then it's like, no. What if you're in this position? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, and um, and you know, it's an interesting thing that I think will I, I like exploring. You know, whether or not these these classics do still hold up, and whether or not like movies like this. You know, we talk about we've talked about in the last few movies whether. It's a mad, 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 mad world or airplane could be made today, right? Now, Strangers on a Train is dark enough. It's got that thriller aspect of it, that psychological thriller. Sure, I'm surprised it hasn't been remade already. I know that David Fincher's talked about it. Um, but, uh, you know, would it be made the same way stylistically? Does does Do you think Hitchcock puts too much of his cards on the table for modern audiences? It's like, oh, that's a little too on the nose, Hitch. You know, that kind of thing. Um. Uh. So it'll be interesting to see, like, when you know, if we do others, that if that's if that's the case for this and other classic movies too. So, uh, Mike, any last words on Strangers on a Train? I think it could be remade today. I think it would be very well done. I don't think it would have the same mood that it does for the original, but definitely worth checking out the one thing i love about hitchcock is every single one of his movies is different mood wise and this one was suspense at its best and definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it like i hadn't and i'm almost embarrassed now to say that i haven't seen such an awesome movie this was just that good of a film so definitely folks check it out and you know, I loved all the characters and I was read through some of the notes on Wikipedia and a couple other places, seeing who they tried to get as the different characters. I think this movie was cast perfectly. I couldn't Yeah, see. Hitch really wanted William Holden in the lead role yeah. and I'm glad that didn't work out because I no. just yeah, I don't I don't I didn't see that. Uh but then again, maybe if it was him cast I would and I would never have known, you know. Exactly. Um, you wouldn't have known any different. Well, um, for anybody who wants to check it out, obviously it's available on, uh, you know, Amazon and all that kind of stuff. But also Turner Classic Movies shows it a lot. So, <laughs> like I said, I've watched it twice in the last three months. So, uh, so if it's uh, if it if it shows up there, uh, DVR it or check it out because I definitely uh, agree that it is one of the best, and it's one of Hitchcock's best um, as well. So, so we're starting you off with the best, Ashley. We're not uh, we're not starting you off with like the low, like the bad Hitchcock movies. So, 
So uh, it's only down. It's only downhill from here. No, just kidding. There's still oh, some great oh, ones. I watched the two best ones. Yeah. I no, guess. No, I I would not put. You know what? This would be in my top ten of his. Uh, maybe it would make five top five, just barely. But there's some other really really great ones. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I hope you get a chance to watch those as well. So, well, very cool. Well, thanks, everybody, um, once again. And uh, we will be right back to close the show after this. Everyone these days could use a little support. And your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, It's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. But before we get out of here, we have a big announcement. The ESO Network is growing again. And we have joining us Adam Westson. Welcome, sir. Hey, what's going on, guys? So you know Adam mostly from Thunder Talk, and he has a brand new podcast. He has Ring of Thunder. Tell us about Ring of Thunder, sir. Oh yeah, Ring of Thunder is my constantly evolving solo show, pretty much doing wrestling recaps from television of WWE, AEW, Impact, all that stuff. And of course it started from you know just doing a little few minute show, keeping Thunder Talk on life support in the early days, talking about comic book stuff and wrestling. Of course the wrestling just grew and grew and grew, and here we are making it official ring of thunder. It's awesome. So how long have you been into wrestling? Uh, for about two years now, I've always had a pretty good curiosity of it because of course, you know, being a kid of the nineties, you know, you couldn't go anywhere without even seeing the rock or stone cold or undertaker everywhere. So I've, always had a decent curiosity about it. And then I finally just like dived right into it. Hardcore two years ago and have not let up on the gas pedal since. That is awesome. Sounds like my son because he did the same thing and, you know, he grew up a little bit with wrestling and, you know, here and there, but probably about five years ago, he started getting into it heavily has the belts he has you know watches goes to every match when they come to town he even now is so into it he works as a security guard for independent wrestling awesome. and so and so he's one of those guys that sometimes rub runs into the ring to, to separate the wrestlers and stuff and the wrestler whispers to him take the hit take the hit and the, the guy turns around and smashes him in the face and stuff like that that's awesome yeah that was one of my goals for 2020 was to you know start looking into independent wrestling and see what i could do there and i got to go to one show in january and then of course everything stopped 
Yeah, of course. Of course. And, <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. And, you know, that sucks for, like, the independent wrestling scene. But I know, you know, they're still doing all the big biggies are still out there, like WWE, Impact, and others. And, you know, are, are, what are you talking about each week? Are you, you know, just doing like, okay, this happened this week, this happened this week, or, oh my God, you know, this is what's going on. And this is what I've heard rumor wise, or how do you do it on the show? Um, 99% of it is recaps from what happens on the television shows and pay-per-views and all that. I try to keep as much of, you know, the news slash speculation of, oh, this is the plans for this or whatever, because most of the time from what I've observed, it's either false or it changes at the last minute because vents. And so I just like try to keep that like as much out of it as possible, unless it's like some sort of interesting fun rumor and like, what could this be? Or something that's actually concrete, like, uh, like with what happened with Kyrie saying last week on raw and, it being official news, legitimate concrete that she's now left the WWE to go back to her home in Japan. And that's what I've talked about briefly on uh, my most recent episode. Awesome. And, you know, for those who want to listen, how could people find you? Oh, you can find me on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you can find Thunder Talk, and of course, anywhere you can find ESO Network stuff. That's right. And it's a great addition to the network. We, you know, are really glad to have you part of us, even though you were already part. That's why you're not in the geek seat this week, because you, you, <laughs> you passed it through already. You still have the scars, so it's okay. Yeah, I paid those dues. So, Adam, <laughs> it is great to have you with us, and Here's to many years of some great wrestling ahead of you. Cheers. It's awesome having Adam part of the ESO network. And I love how we're getting new and new shows and we have more coming folks. So definitely check out ring of thunder on the ESO network webpage, which is esonetwork.com. And you could also check us out on Facebook where we have a great group and we'd love to have you part of it. And speaking of part of it, you know, we haven't been telling people enough to go out and, you know, help promote the ESO network, promote Earth Station One. You can find us up on, you know, all these different media players. We're now up on Pandora. We can be up on iHeartRadio. We're up on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're up on Apple. We're on Google. You know, let your friends know if you enjoy this program. I'm sure that your friends do too because they're your friends and they have similar interests. So, it's always great to, you know, tell your friends and say, hey, Earth Station One, great bunch of guys and girl. And so it's always great to have, you know, our friends listen to us. But it's also great to get new people listening to us. So please, you know, definitely let people know. And this is how we grow. This is how people find out for, for us. And actually, we got some a little bit of really awesome news this last week about earth station one and folks this is what you have to do to when you get to listen for earth station one and the eso network and such so we got to notice that earth station one you ready for this guys i think you guys are going to love this 
Earth Station One is ready for this. We are the 51st most popular hobby podcast in India. Oh, so we are on the top, almost the top 50 of hobby podcasts in India on Apple podcasts. That is pretty darn awesome. So to everyone who's listening to us in India, hi, how's it going? And and I think we're the, I think we're the only one that never talks about Bollywood yet. No, not at all. So So that's even more. That's great. That's even more impressive when you consider (laughs) that. Yeah. We haven't even really covered Bollywood yet. No, not at all, because we haven't even talked like Slumdog Millionaire and some of the other stuff. So, yeah. so there's lots of stuff for us to talk about. So, or Life of Pi, or you know, some of the other stuff that's out there. That's you know, we Hollywood's version of Bollywood and stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. So, folks, you know, if you get two seconds of your time. It'd be great if you can go onto the media player that you're listening to us and give us five stars. That also is a great way for people to find us. And it just, it literally takes two seconds of your time. Not a lot of people who take the time to do that with podcasts. They just listen to it, enjoy it, you know, and go on to the next one. I know we have a ton of subscribers, but it'd be great to get some people leave feedback for us or, you know, give us ratings. That's how, people know hey these guys are good or these people are mediocre or oh you guys suck you know this is you know our way of people letting us know that we're doing a great job and with so many other podcasts that you can listen to it'd be great for mike and i to know hey we love you guys it's always great because we've been doing this for over 10 years we're not stopping but we would love more people to find us it just makes it a little more special to know hey we're talking to more and more people and our message is getting out and we try to keep positive we try to keep you know really cool stuff we we just scheduled our show right before we started recording tonight out to the beginning of next year folks we have we're not going anywhere so you know what we're coming to you guys and we have all these great shows coming to you just let us know that you're listening it'd be great and that's the best way we could do it and speaking of letting people know that we appreciate them, let's thank our crew for tonight. Ashley, thank you so much for being here tonight. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed the movie and discussing it with you all as well. Oh, it's always great to have you on the show. And actually, you're going to get a little bit of a vacation for now. You're not going to be back for a couple of weeks. Yes, yeah, so that'll give me some a chance to get caught up on some of the stuff on my Netflix queue before our, our next movie discussion coming up. Oh, yeah, most definitely. We definitely would love to, you know, have you on more, but you also do a great blog for the ESO Network webpage, which is Oh, awesome. thank you. And so get back to work on that, young All lady. right, yes, uh, typing away. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, well, uh, speaking of stuff on Netflix, I am just diving into the Umbrella Academy season two. And if anyone listening has not seen the first season of that show on Netflix, it's amazing. It's weird. It's funny. It's exciting. It's mysterious. I highly recommend it. And I'm on episode four, I think, of the new season. And it's really enjoyable, too. So if you're looking for something entertaining to break up the quarantine monotony, I highly recommend that series. Oh, awesome. Definitely. We got a lot of good stuff coming to us still that was recorded pre-COVID. So, you know, Umbrella Academy is an amazing, amazing show. We um, 
talked about it real briefly, I think about a year and a half ago when it first appeared, we did it at the beginning of the show. So I think we might have to do an episode soon on that. So Good stuff. You never know. Definitely. Alex, thank you, my friend. Uh, it's always a pleasure. It's a great opportunity to, to build the, the library as far as what I've seen and what I haven't. So, uh, Like I said earlier, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I hadn't seen this one. I so. literally minutes before coming on the air. So <laughs> literally by the skin of his teeth, folks, anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm a, a big fan of, of big, huge corporations that take all of our money and um, Disney plus last Friday launched the first episode of Muppets now. And I got the chance to watch it like early in the morning um, because I was excited for the opportunity to see brand new Muppet stuff. And for a 22 minute episode uh, with lots of, of frenetic changes and stuff like that, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a, a real feel of the classic Muppet show style to this uh, new show. Uh, it's, it's, it hasn't gotten there yet. Um, but I, I think there's, there's some space to grow and overall still give a, a great little gift to longtime Muppet fans and hopefully will introduce to new Muppet fans. Are they doing just the week by week yeah. release? Yeah, right okay. now it's it's new episodes every Friday. Uh, and for whatever reason, uh, Joe from Legal, which was the funniest thing in all of the advertisement for this, not on the first episode. So I don't know if they realize what they've got with him um, or, or not just yet. But um, and, and I feel like some of the things got changed around because uh, it's uh, they, they focused more on the fact that it was streaming. And a lot of the things were done to make it look like it was Zoom calls and things like that. Mm. Um, so I, I wonder if if that was changed because a lot of the stuff that I've already heard has been filmed for it was not on the first episode. So um, gotcha. it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it work, plays out. And uh, if future episodes hold up, I think it's going to be, it, it's not the classic, um, but it's still a good time. That's awesome. That is really awesome. I've been looking forward to seeing what it's going to be like, you know, it's a little tentative because of the ABC show that they did, but I enjoyed I've, it. That's I'm good. the only person I know that enjoyed the ABC one. I enjoyed no. the ABC one. Okay. I, gave I guess we don't, we don't know each other that well. Yeah, no. Yeah. We don't. So that's, that's no. fair. So there you go, folks. What you said. So, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, we made it through another one. And, of course, it was my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, my friend? Yeah, I do want to give a shout out to uh, the, something that... Um, uh, since we're talking about, um, you know, black and white movies and people know that I'm into noir, uh, film noir in particular, but also um, crime noir, like a uh, comic noir as well. Um, and uh, there's a new comic project that is being, um, it's almost finished with Kickstarter. I think it's got a few weeks left, so people can still catch on the, catch uh, wind of this if, uh, if they uh, listen to this in time. But um it is being put together by um, uh, some black American comic book creators and it is called Noir is the New Black. It is, uh, and they call themselves a unique anthology of 100% creator owned 
black noir comic stories. And uh, that's good enough for me. The, the, the list of talent that's in this book so far is absolutely stunning. Uh, which who's uh, producing uh, and actually producing work for this book uh, stories and work. So that that's impressive enough. And the uh, subject matter is right in my wheelhouse. So uh, I definitely look forward to checking this out as well. That is awesome. That is really awesome. That sounds, sounds like an interesting project. I've been reading some stuff about it. It's pretty cool. They've done a really good job marketing it. Uh, they've they've spotlighted a, a creator a day, I think, on on the YouTube's and the social medias and all that. So, um, so you can find out a lot more about the project. And even if you're listening to this and you can't catch the uh, the actual Kickstarter, I'm pretty sure that you're going to be able to you know procure a copy once uh, once everything is said and done. So definitely uh, be on the lookout for it. Nope, definitely worth checking out. Uh, my shout out real quick, other than, of course, supporting the ESO network, you know, or, or Station One. Got to keep on harping at it, folks. I haven't been doing it for quite some time. So I'm going to be harping and harping and harping from this point on because we need you. We really need you. So uh, what I'm going to harp about next is Stargirl. I don't know how many folks are still watching or if people are even more into it. I've you know, coming up to the season finale next week. And this show has been perfect for me. It has brought me my Justice Society. It has brought me Earth 2. It has brought me the Injustice Society and some amazing twists and some great characters. And in all honesty, my favorite character isn't even the lead. So it's pretty awesome that, you know, it's a great, great show. I know Mike is watching it also and a few other folks who listen to the show. And Stargirl is a worthy, you know, addition to the Arrowverse. And I wanted to give a big shout out to that. So yeah, it's pretty really cool. well done. So definitely check it out. I'm looking forward to seeing how they close this up and where they lead into season two. And folks, just take care of yourselves. We really want to keep on saying that and you know people are you know still getting sick people are not taking care of themselves they're still going out unprotected and it isn't a conspiracy folks come on it's just common sense folks just take care of yourselves and if you don't care about yourself care about some other people who are out there too because if you don't wear a mask or you protect yourself you got to you know protect them think of it that way because you know don't be a selfish sob and just you know think all about yourself that's my soapbox for the night i'm hopping off now uh please write us and you can write me at feedback at eso network for that one or if you want to write us at earthstation one at eso network.com we would love to hear from you send me your complaints i don't care it's cool but still give us five stars that's all we ask for so it's pretty awesome uh, join us again next week when we are going to be talking about bands we are embarrassed to love. That's right. I could name a top 20 right off the top of my head. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We have Ricky and Bambi joining us and Michelle's going to be back. So we got the band together and we're going to be talking all about that. So until then, my name is Mike Faber on behalf of myself, Mr. Mike Gordon, Alex Autry and Ashley Pauls. 
We will see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace. And we are done. Boom. Crisscross. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.